Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Abed Aslam, owner of OG Group, a multifaceted fashion enterprise located in London. Abed, hello. Yes, hello there. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you for coming on the program today. We might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Leader is someone who can, first of all, understand, you know, the difference between mental, physical, and spiritual, and understanding that we have to lead ourselves, first of all, in a Mm -hmm. strong mental capacity, physical capacity. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't believe in the, the spiritual side. That's up to them. So some may use a spiritual sense to lead and some may not. I do. And I would say a complete leader needs to be, you know, have all three facets. So we need to, first of all, learn ourselves, you know, strong concepts of mental, physical, and spiritual. We need to be able to be strong on these points, understand what we're trying to do in them terms and lead accordingly our family ourselves our family our businesses our communities now what sort of leader what sort of uh, leadership characteristics do you embody on a daily basis as a muslim i take my religion seriously my business evolves around the concepts of my belief and in terms of make big money you know aim to make a lot more money, but you don't need to squander it on yourself. You don't need to squander it on your family. We just need what we need. Give it back to the communities, give it back to the poor. So that's really how my business, you know, as a fashion enterprise um, has that that intention. Now in the current uh, economic climate, how do you found an enterprise such as a, a freestanding fashion enterprise from scratch? Um, a fashion business, you mean? Yes, when you started out with your business. What were some of the hurdles that you had to overcome? Well, one of the things I didn't do initially, which in the long term has worked well for us, I I started a printing and manufacturing company, and I started my own clothing brand at the same time. This is going back 15 years. You know, once you get into understanding of print knowledge and manufacturing, it's very easy for someone to think, hey, I can do my own clothing brand as well. But that was a mistake in the sense of I'm not focusing as much as I should have done on one or the other. But in the long term, it has been a blessing. And, you know, we're going to see some more fruits uh, grow from that collaboration of understanding how to develop a global brand. Uh, as well as printing and manufacturing services. Our brand is still, you know, getting out there, but our manufacturing print knowledge makes our brand stronger. But if I could go back, maybe I would have just focused on the printing and manufacturing first, get that really strong, and then I would have gone on the brand. So my suggestion to people is, you know, focus, know your industry, know what you're trying to achieve, know your market, and because obviously a fashion brand market is completely different to manufacturing markets, printing markets. 
So my suggestion is to always focus, know your markets, make a strong business plan and execute and measure your milestones. Now, of course, a big part of leadership is dealing with people. And uh, people are not infallible. They can have bad days and sometimes they don't perform as we would like them to. How do you handle conflict within the workplace? Well, that's where this, the spiritual leadership has to take place. You know, we need to learn patience. We need to learn that, you know, people wake up with bad days. You don't know if someone's family member died or they lost their dog or something. You know, they were sick or whatever. You don't know if they slept well. People can be very you know, grumpy, nasty, and we can also give that same attitude back. And that happens a lot, I think, in life where people are negative and people are negative back. But the best way is to, you know, take a spiritual stance, give someone the benefit of the doubt, be patient with them. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're the boss, a real boss. See, some bosses have somewhat ad- attitude that they think so highly of themselves, they would not let nobody talk down to them. A real leader, a real boss, a real leader, like I said, who's mental, physical, and spiritual, will always be humble. You should be humble, in my opinion, because if you keep breaking necks because people are upsetting you, you're not going to get a fearful army as opposed to an army that respects you. So in my opinion, we need to take a spiritual stance. We need to look at and give people the benefit of the doubt, be patient. And, you know, when you show someone kindness after they've showed you negativity, uh, that really doesn't make that person question why they were negative in the first place. And, you know, it, it creates wonders of waves. But don't get me wrong, if someone's going to keep being negative, you know, I, I, I'd chuck them out the window head first uh, after a, a long term of patience. Well, of course, patience is key, uh, but as you rightly say, it doesn't always last. Um, what sort of leaders inspire you? For me, um, I suppose you take a mixture of some business leaders, um, a mixture of some spiritual leaders, and a mixture of, you know, sort of sporting leaders. Uh, you know, I mean, um, I, I, in the sporting world, I've always respected Muhammad Ali. In the political world, I've respected Malcolm X. Um, in the business world, um, you got a lot of, lot of, lot of big business guys: Richard Branson, Alan Sugar, you know, um, Bill Gates, uh, Jeff Bezos. There's a lot of leaders out there in business as well who are very respectful, but I don't know them inside out. I can't really comment to them how they made their money, how, you know, you know, how um, integral they made their money. I assume, assume they did. Um, but to me, I can't really say something unless I know how spiritual, integral somebody is. It doesn't matter how many billions you got. If you got billions, but you made it from uh, cheating people and stealing, you're, you're a poor person. You're very poor and you're going to get it back in this life and let alone the next life. So for me, it's a hard question to answer because again, I take mental, physical, spiritual very, you know, highly, um, you know, like again, the sporting physical world, I like your Malcolm X's, your Khabib's, uh, you know, the guys who have spirit and soul and they fight, you know, hard, um, on a business level. I mentioned a few business leaders there, uh, too, but, 
you know, uh, so to, to take a, a, a one leader, I suppose, you know, well, trying to talk to religious, but I suppose the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, would be a great leader to me. So, of course, with the uh, business leaders that we were talking about, what you're looking at really is integrity. Uh, integrity is incredibly important within business relationships. Now, unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for OG Group? What does the next 12 months have in store for OG Group? Yeah, hello, Dick. Uh, yes, we're going to be um, producing and manufacturing from our own factory. Oh, abroad. fantastic. And we're going to be offering them services to sort of small, medium brands initially, and then step up to medium level to, you know, large corporate businesses and brands to manufacture for them. And we're also relaunching some training academy projects for young people to get into communication and sales as well as digital marketing. Well, Abed, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I very much hope you come back on the program at some point in the future. Abed, thank you. Thank you. That was Abed Aslam, owner of OG Group. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. 
and of course a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that caliber, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there. It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, w- would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he, uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top. is absolutely vital. For a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life, to be successful, and it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run, or conversely, not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it would be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. 
And if you've got people like that in your organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alpha, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them and there really must have been moments if maybe there weren't but uh, let us know in that 66 competition the prolonged pressure on all of you you know the weight of a nation did it get to you oh not for me personally no i, I think and i don't uh, not for me not for a second i think mm. i was just happy to be you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. 
And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um... Uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh that If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. 
Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a play, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. Is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but. There's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck that's absolutely. that's absolutely leading show he'd be the best example of course in, in football terms today uh, easily easily and of course but going back not that long ago Alex Ferguson who's just absolutely mm. you've got to take him as the first example because Klopp's only done this over a period of time a short period of time but if you look at the 25 26 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they've that they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I think we've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back. Uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at that, so many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned. 
uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and uh, and just opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. They, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and, when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it, Yes, the word, the, word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely, and I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking, if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't? go without in terms of leading a team no matter what that team is single minded single mindedness dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if it's these top managers and lead it, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm. I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.